Hi there, and welcome to the Grief and Rebirth Podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Barnhart, along with author and trauma survivor, Irene Weinberg. We're here to encourage you wherever you are on your healing journey. In each episode, we will chat with incredible grief and trauma specialists, healers, mediums, and celebs, as well as remarkable people who have inspiring healing stories to share. If you're looking for a podcast that's both uplifting and inspiring, you found us. Let us help you find your joy in life. Well, hello and welcome to yet another episode of the Grief and Rebirth podcast um, here with Irene. And we're in our fourth season, second episode, right, Irene? This is so cool. <laughs> We've gotten so many positive comments and feedback and everything. It's just wonderful. And we have a wonderful guest for everyone here today. Yes, yeah, so why don't you introduce our uh, most recent guest today? Okay, his name is Daniel Kenner. He went through a tremendous uh, trauma, losing his parents, Maureen and Jacob Kenner, and he wrote a wonderful book about this called Room for Grace. And we're going to talk to him about his story, which I think could be very inspiring for all of our listeners to help them when they also go through these very, very difficult experiences in their lives. So why don't we just start with you, Daniel, say hi to our to our listeners and tell us about yourself, what you do, how did you come upon this? And I also see that you're also an actor, you're an author, a caregiver and an actor. So tell us a little bit about yourself. First of all, Irene and Stephanie, thank you so much for you know having this platform for people to kind of come out and be able to lend their voice and talk for a few minutes with you guys. I feel very, very lucky that the kind of community is open. Um, Yeah, it's been a really difficult few years, to be honest. Um, On Valentine's Day 2013, my dad was diagnosed with frontal temporal lobe dementia. And four months later, uh, my mom was diagnosed with stage four colon cancer. Uh, A lot of people always ask if like... um, Frontal temporal lobe dementia is like Alzheimer's, and there are many different types of dementia. And FTD is one that kind of attacks parts of the brain that deal with behavior and problem solving and emotion control and speech. Um, it was pretty. I mean, when you when you try to put it into words, it's so difficult to understand about how, you know, my father was diagnosed and it kind of left my mom reeling a little bit as the caregiver. And then all of a sudden she's struck with her own disease. And now it's kind of, both of them are kind of on this journey. And to be honest, for the first few months, uh, it hit me really hard and I, I really crumbled and kind of fell into a really bad depression and lack of motivation and complete stasis, to be honest. It was really hard to go home every time I went home my parents had just changed just a little bit and I was kind of prepared for the last change. And so each time I went home, I wasn't prepared for the new mom and the new dad. And I guess room for grace really gave me an opportunity to say, listen, this is my chance to keep coming home and to be present. And to, this is how I can help. Uh, There were so many volunteers and social workers in our community really rose and really helped us. And for four years, they never said no. And I was looking for my way to say, listen, I need to be close. I need to be on this journey with you. And I like to joke that my dad was always my favorite parent. And my dad was such a vivid, vivid storyteller. 
but the dementia was kind of making those stories and his personalities disappear a little bit. And so I came to my mom with the idea of conducting an oral history. So for their 30th wedding anniversary, we went up to Bar Harbor, Maine for a week, and I recorded my mom for 30 hours. Uh, my mom was a tremendous, tremendous leader. She was, for 35 years, a special education teacher in Providence, and she once won Teacher of the Year. Uh, and she was a special ed teacher. And my dad was a theater history teacher. And so it kind of, we always had that. We had a lot of teachers. And so there were a lot of teachable moments in the last four years. And it was kind of extraordinary watching my mom go from being a teacher to learning again how to be an extraordinary student, I guess. Daniel, can I ask how old you were when all of this happened to you and how old were your folks? So let's see. So in 2013, I was 25 years old. And when my dad was diagnosed, he was 65. And when my mom was diagnosed, she was 56. My mom ended up passing one week after her 60th birthday. And my dad died coincidentally on the anniversary of my friend Nick's anniversary from the station nightclub fire on February 20th. And he passed away when he was 70. They were and young. I, uh, my mom, when my mom, went on hospice it was yeah. my 30th birthday and so now i'm 32 and my mom did 63 rounds of chemo <laughs> and i mean even that is just it's it's pretty pretty amazing it's intense it was um <laughs> it was more than intense yeah it was it was it was draining but i think my mom would say that you know, the positivity was that there were so many small little moments and little miracles that kind of happened every day that kind of pushed her a few more minutes and a few more months. Um, it was it was really beautiful to see kind of the faith and the response to being so downtrodden. I don't know if I, even after going through this with my parents, I'm not sure if I could respond to the adversity the way that my mom did. Are you an only child? So I'm my mom's only, and my dad has two sons, my my half-brothers. Okay, and were they actively involved with everything? Yeah, absolutely. The whole family was completely there 100%. I, like, I, and I, like I just said, it was, I, I think because my mom and dad had done so much for our community, when my parents got sick, it was really amazing to kind of see how much work they had done for our community because people kept showing up with meals, with watering our lawns, with birthday cards. When they got to, they went outside and they sang on my mom's lawn for her birthday. They came out and lit candles for a candlelight vigil during the holiday season when my mom wasn't able to go out. And it was literally, my family was included, but I would say the whole family was including our Providence, Rhode Island community as well. Wow. And I, I think that's one of the biggest lessons of the book is to kind of put in that time and to put in that hard work and those lessons will come back to you. I keep kind of relating it to the Beatles White Album. At the end of the album, they say the love you take is equal to the love you make. And I just think that because my mom and my dad were so active and so present and so giving and working with the elderly and the disenfranchised and the handicapped, that when we really needed it, we were never alone. That's fantastic. And that, and that made it easy, to be honest, that made it a lot easier to be a caregiver 
at the end, just because I had so many, you know, I had big shoes to follow and people were leading kind of the whole way. And it was, it was really remarkable. And I'm just uh, so grateful. I, I don't think we would have gone four years of, of with these illnesses were it not for our community. And that's, I guess, what's really been special about this book. Room for Grace was published on October 2nd. And I'm kind of completing a little book tour right now, which will be about six weeks. And we started the book tour in Providence, Rhode Island, at the Fox Point Library, which was across the street from my mom's school. And it was just so amazing to see all of these beautiful, warm faces of my mom's past and my family's past. And I was talking with my aunts after um, the event. And I think the book is going to give something really, really special in a way that we get to keep celebrating and honoring my parents' wonderful legacy. And we get to keep talking about them. And the, the school did something amazing outside of the school. They planted right outside something called Maureen's Garden. And so right when you enter the school now for forever will be Maureen's Garden because she kind of had such a legacy there. And so to be able to share it with these people who held my mom in such high regard and then who came back and helped us and now to kind of give them a chance to go a little bit behind the screen, a little bit of what happened in the last four years, it was it was truly remarkable. It was just so special to be able to read some excerpts and have some discussion about the book with, with these wonderful people. Uh, Daniel, when you talk about small moments and miracles that helped your mother with her faith, could you talk to a little bit about that? Absolutely. Uh, I would say the first thing that comes to mind, my one of my cousins back in high school had the chance to sing at Carnegie Hall. And my mom had just completed a round of chemo, but she came up on the train and her and my dad were sitting in Carnegie Hall a day after chemo and able to support my niece, who's, you know, such an amazing, beautiful voice. And she's singing at Carnegie Hall as a high schooler. And then we went oh out gosh. for a milkshake afterwards and somebody tried to rob my mom and they thought her chemo bag was her purse. And so they tried to rip off her chemo bag. <gasps> and, so just, and it's like, oh, yeah, go ahead. You can take that. <laughs> go ahead. That's all yours. Um, and then just, I don't know. I, I feel like a lot of moments in our family happened around dessert, which kind of makes, maybe it adds it to a sweet memory. But, you know, whenever my mom came into Sloan Kettering for a second advice, we would always hop down to serendipity for the frozen hot chocolate. Then, you know, another one that I'm thinking about is in February of 2016, uh, my mom and dad went down to Sarasota, Florida for about a week. And it was a week after my mom's birthday, but every night they went out to dinner with the family. My mom said it was her birthday. So every night they got to sing happy birthday. Um, I guess, and then, and then her last birthday, you know, it was probably the hardest thing that I've ever done. You could tell that that it was nearing the end. Dad had just passed away, and I think she felt comfortable letting go in a way. So my uncle came in, and we went to go see The Lion King at the Pro Providence Performing Arts Center. And then about a week later, my aunt was in town, and we wanted to surprise my mom. The last thing she wanted to do was see the ocean. 
So at this point, she was on oxygen and it was really hard getting down the stairs. And so we ended up literally carrying her down the stairs. We popped her in the car with her oxygen tank and we took her out to Watch Hill, Newport, Rhode Island. And the whole family was there and we got to celebrate um, her 60th birthday. And it was really, uh, it was a dynamic day, just obviously for how hard it was to get her out of the house. But it was such a, I don't know, it was a dichotomy, everyone having a really good time. And then I kind of knew, you know, this was going to be the last time that mom came out of the house. So it was how to make this day special while also kind of, you know, existing in the moment. But how do you kind of push away this fear and this anxiety a little bit? So that was, uh, that was birthdays and celebrations that we're, we're always, we're always big for our family. Yeah. It sounds to me like part of uh, what you're trying to impart to the book, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds to me like what you're trying to impart is to, to tell people how they can um, keep the faith and be resilient through such a trauma and how your family went about it and the legacy that your parents left to everyone. I think you hit the nail right on the head, Irene. I think, you know, I think the special thing about Room for Grace is that it kind of follows some of the lessons that my mom learned from her students. And they were a resilient, resilient bunch. And just, you know, with challenges and setbacks, limitations and hardships, the lessons that my mom learned from her students were the lessons that helped us live kind of the best life we possibly could under this situation. And embracing the yes. And this is one thing that I've been really trying to figure out and how to put into words is embracing the yes and allowing others to carry us when we need to be carried. And I think that art of saying yes kind of shows a certain level of respect and love and trust. And, you know, we want to help others in need and, but we have to be open to accepting and knowing the value of our community. And when we do that, it's almost like we get to show others the best of themselves. And when we allow others in, we do get to see the best of ourselves and we get to be drawn closer to the ones that we love. So I, I think you hit the nail right on the head. I, the, the Room for Grace really follows some really fascinating stories that my mom left us in our oral history um, with some of her students over the years. And to be able to see some of those resilient traits in my mom and in my dad really kind of flushed out the outline for the book. You know, I can so relate to that, Daniel, because um, our listeners know that I was in a terrible car accident. And when it happened and my husband died next to me and it was very difficult for me to let other people help me, too, when I went through my trauma. But I did that and it turned out to be a blessing for them and a gift for me. And it's it's hard to let go that way and let others in. I think I really, I like the garden part too, with like the students that all get to be involved because it kind of like, you know, it ties everybody in and it gives that whole like regrowth and, you know, like mm. of, of life that's come back, that you know? symbolism. Yeah. yeah. And that if, I think, you know, just because like with my own son, I think things like that really help younger people kind of understand it and conceptualize it a little bit better and in like a positive happy way like they didn't lose someone they're still here and it kind of reminds them every time they see that that you know she's still around to kind of keep an eye yeah and that's really pretty and I just it was such an honor I mean like wow like my mom has a garden outside of the school that she taught at like that is such a yeah 
I don't know. I'm just so honored that people through all of this hardship, really, I got to learn and understand how hard of a worker my mom really was because like I said, you know, I kind of, my dad was a little bit rebellious and he grew, grew up idolizing Bob Dylan and James Dean and Marlon Brando. And that's kind of the route I went a little bit, but it really got to see my dad's illness. I got to understand that my dad got to be the best version of himself because he had the wife like my mom. Mm -hmm. And so I needed to be able to give her that same kind of support when she didn't have her spouse be the kind of caregiver that she needed. I knew that I needed to step up because of what she gave to my best friend. And I don't know, I, I guess that's, it's, um, I, I couldn't have done it any other way. I, I don't know. That, that was the only option. I think one of the things I see here too, is that, you know, it's kind of interesting to see the impact that your mom made on these people to actually do things like this. Like you said, you're so honored that they would do that, but clearly they had, you know, she had such an impact on them that they wanted to do that to remember her. And I think it's just a good telltale sign of a lot of the things that, you know what I mean? Like we overall in general, don't, we don't give ourselves enough credit and like, just for the kindness. And you know what I mean? Like Irene preaches kindness all the time, be kind to people. And I think it's just, it's, you know what I mean? A lot of these things that you may not think are making a difference in the world truly are because I mean, this is like a prime example of that. And it's just nice to see that that love and kind of consideration is just going to, you know, we'll keep going now for a long time through that, even just such a small thing like a garden. And you're going to, and, and you're going to turn this legacy, Daniel. I mean, your parents legacy, you're going to turn the story to helping so many other people who go through their own traumas. I agree with Stephanie. It's, it's wonderful. Uh, what are some of the lessons that um, your mom learned from her students that helped you in this situation? I mean, it's so much a part of how we all affect each other and we pass things on. I love it that just Stephanie was just started talking about kindness because it was a really dramatic scene with me and my mom. She was kind of bedridden one day. And I had all these notes and I was like, mom, we need, we need to flesh out the lessons of the book. And so she took a sip of her, from her infamous water with lemon. And, uh, and then she, she was super parched. And then she kind of did the, ah, <laughs> and then she said, kindness matters. If you give respect, you get respect, treat others the way you want to be treated. And then she kind of kept going and she's saying, take an interest in those things around you and don't be afraid to open up yourself to heartbreak and disappointment. Um, oh, what was, oh, um, I, I think my mom would say that. Well, I just think that Irene and your mom would get along well, because Irene's always preaching kindness. So I, I'm, you know, I feel like, uh, I think there's like that and that's like a characteristic that you come with. Like you, you don't really learn kindness. I mean, you can learn kindness, but I mean, it's like, it's ingrained in you. There's a certain person that like kind of grows up with that to like really forecast that back out into the world. That's a special quality. Um, and I, I really, I mean, I like that because that's what kind of like what we're learning here too. Like it's like through this grief and reverse is all about, how like all these people are kind of giving back to the world. Right. And we all kind of find ourselves centralized on that component of like your mom just said, like you kind of get back what you give and what you put into the world. 
And by us putting that out there and through this book, through Irene's book, through gardens with the children, it really kind of helps to just keep that cycle of kindness in life um, circulating, I think. And, and I think those come from really good, strong connections. And one of the things that my mom's palliative care doctor reminded her near the beginning was that this process is going to give you deep and mm-hmm. meaningful connections. And I think when you flush those out, I think we do get back to kindness. I think kindness and living kindness is a choice. I think people don't understand that they can choose to be kind, even when things are bad. You don't have to displace stuff onto other people. You still can be kind and respect who that, you know, the, the, the soul in that person, the heart in that person, who that person is. I was getting a little choked up just a minute ago when I was trying to articulate, but I, I think what I was trying to say was that my mom, one of her lessons was to never intentionally hurt another person, especially when that person is able to articulate to mm-hmm. you what they need. I think that's a huge thing. I agree. Wow, oh, I, yeah. I so agree with you. I mean, uh, I, my story is is very similar. When they pulled me out of the car, my husband was gone next to me, and this voice came into my head and said, "Be loving and kind to everyone." It changed my life, Daniel. Changed the whole way I I deal I dealt with things. You know, it, it, it's um, and it's been amazing how people take it. And they start to be kinder. It, it has a ripple effect in the world, Absolutely. you know? Absolutely. Um, I, I can just, relating what you just said is that idea of voice. And I think that's, to me, that's one of the more important lessons that I've been able to have is that this writing process of Room for Grace has kind of kept me, kept me in the murk a little bit, if you will. And it's, I haven't shied away from it. And every day I've gotten to work with the voices of my mom and dad and get to construct them and get to work with them and kind of flesh, flesh them out a little bit. And I'm just so grateful that I did say yes in, to this project because I have been able to stay close to my mom and dad. And that's something that I guess I'm kind of reeling with right now is that now that the writing and the editing is done and the book is published and it's out Will I be strong enough to keep hearing and finding the opportunities to be close to their voices? And that's something that's kind of rocked me a little bit. And I'm really hoping that I have the right lessons in place to do so now that I'm not actively with them every day. And I guess that's giving me a little bit of um, a little anxiety, to be honest, not to, you know, have that every day. But, you know, I still you know, see what my dad's smile and the raise of his eyebrows when he's smiling. And I can still hear my mom's loudest clap and applause in the room and these little moments. And, you know, I was at Les Miserables on tour with my girlfriend and we were standing up and a feather fell from the ceiling and just little moments like that, seeing cardinals outside. um, You know, I'm able to find symbolism in every day. Have you communicated with them on the other side by any chance, Daniel? No, I would definitely take that opportunity to do so because I I, I definitely see a lot of... Oh, Daniel, there's a podcast called Grief and Rebirth, and we have interviewed quite a few wonderful mediums, and we have more coming up. And they are absolutely, you could take a look, they're absolutely going to be able to help you communicate with your folks. And like me, I wrote my book, and my husband is so much a part of it, and I channeled a lot of information from him. And I know for a fact now 
that from the other side, he is with me all the time and helping me and spurring me on with this. This podcast is an outgrowth of what I needed to do to spread his legacy with me. And you're doing the same exact thing. It's so interesting. There are no accidents. I love that. I mean, I'll admit that too, because like, I know there are people on the here that we've interviewed, like Lee uh, and Seta. If you want to look back and listen to a couple of the past podcasts, but I literally worked with them personally myself and um, have seen uh, and heard things from my dad and my family who passed away last, last uh, fall too. And it's, it's very powerful. And, and I love like the little things you say, like the feather falling, like, because you're already open and receptive to it. And I mean, listen to me <laughs> talking like that. If you would ask me this like three years ago, I would never talk like that. But um, it's really important to kind of stay open and receptive to see a lot of those signs and to like see people and just mm. what's communicating you and like what's kind of on the bigger realm and the energy and things like that is exactly them communicating with you. So, I mean, you're already ready to see. They're, they're probably evolved souls. And the hearing learn now, about this I listen, still have 30 hours of oral you. history, so, yeah, you should, which is literally that. getting just inside my mom's brain. And I don't know what I was thinking. You ask my mom a simple <laughs> question and she can rattle and just talk. And she loved, but she was a better listener than she was a talker. So it was, but it was giving her a platform to talk. And I was like, go ahead, let's. Let's talk. And then 30 hours later, I was like, okay, maybe we've got enough information right. here. But I was hoping maybe I could just share a little snippet with you guys from the original oral history tape, yeah. um, kind of just a little bit of a lesson that my mom left on to me and that I, I put together for the show, if that's okay. Please do. Cool. This is just uh, 40 seconds from my mom. So choosing always to do the right thing for the right reasons, always, 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 and just commit to that. You'll never have to be afraid. You'll never have to look back about if only I had done this or why didn't I do that? Because you'll be able to say, you'll be able to look yourself in the mirror and say, I did the right thing at the right time with all the information I had at the, at the time. You know, push yourself when you think you can only do it. Do it five more minutes. Do it five more weeks. Do it five more months. Just push yourself because when you push yourself into a hard place, or through a hard place, you're going to learn so much about yourself. That's my mom. Wow. You know? That's my mom. Yeah. So I get a little chills listening to that. And I, <laughs> I love that you have that to like yeah. listen to, you know, like if you're having a bad day, even I would just keep that to have on play. A lot of people don't, I you know, Irene, do. I don't think I, you have no, Saul's voice I, anywhere no, to I don't play. Really. Well, like, I guess I a, do like in videos and really? family things we had a long time ago, but you know, not, not but, <laughs> Mm -hmm. a clip it it was clip um, it like that's really special I mean, how have. lucky am i that, that's really like my cool. mom's voice and that was like man i i do i feel really lucky you've given me an idea i mean i just think that you like especially like this podcast right now right like how we're using technology to really be able to reach a broader audience i think you've really used it to kind of encapsulate mm. um your parents for you, which is like a really, I mean, Irene can probably attest to this more, but more like a healing process, especially for you. And I think that that's a really cool component that is good for listeners out there to understand. Like, you know what I mean? I'm sure a lot of them are hurting or, you know, going through this process that you've gone through and how your book can help that. But, you know, this is a really good tool. Like if you know you're going to, your parents are about to leave and you're really struggling with that, like to have their voice as like a comfort 
stuff, you know, that you can play anytime is kind of like a nice little aspect to have that I wouldn't have even thought of. And I, I, that's very beautiful. I think it might be a, a direction that I, my heart might be pointed to. Irene was nice enough to bring up that I've been an actor in the past, but after my first, or sorry, after my second event, a kind man who I didn't know was at the reading and he asked me out to breakfast the next day. And I literally, again, just kind of fell in love with the idea of listening. And he was just reaching out to me and we went and had breakfast. And it was probably one of the most soul enriching days that I've had in a really long time where there was a man and he just wanted to talk and I was able to be there. Mm-hmm. And we were just able oh. to share life together. And yeah, I, I think there's just something in everybody's story that people are reaching out to be told and to be listened to. And I, I, I'm really glad that I took this small miracle and kind of room for grace was born. Daniel, if you were going to tell people why specifically they should read your, your book, are they going to, because they, some people might say, oh, I'm going to get depressed by this book. I don't think I should pick it up. Or other people may say, maybe I need something to inspire me going through a trauma that I'm going through. Anna Colonel, why should someone pick up your book to read it? Who is it for? I think it's for all the people who need to realize how big their community is and how to turn misfortune into laughter and humanization. There are positives in tragedy, and and those are the voices that need to resonate. So I say, see the good in people and stay resilient and mindful and slow down and sit on a bench and see the flowers. It's very strong of you to come forward like that. It's not every day. I'm, I'm, you know, there are definitely some bad days every week, but. Today, that's what makes today a little bit brighter. Well, and you're definitely helping someone else have a brighter future about them going through the same situation as well. So that's very commendable. Um, real quick, though, before we wrap up, and I, I hate to wrap it up because you know it's always hard to close up the podcast here, but can you um, remind us, so where is your book available and how can we get it? And we'll link to it on our website as well. But if people want to go grab it right now, where can they find you? It's- it's available at Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Um, it's available on our website, which is www.roomforgrace.org. Um, we're also donating 10% of each purchase to Eye to Eye. Eye to Eye started in my mom's classroom, and its mission is to improve the life of every person with a learning disability. And they kind of send out a network of youth mentoring programs run by and for those with learning differences. Um, so we're going to give back with every purchase and so www.roomforgrace.org or amazon barnes and noble or you can go into your local indie bookstore and order it and it'll be there in four days that's fantastic and i also want to uh ask you what is your tip for joy telling people with all that you've been going through what would be your tip for joy from this experience you are capable i am capable I guess that it's that it's just, you have no idea the strength until you're asked to show up and participate and face it. And you are capable. I love that. Well, thank you, Daniel, for spending some time with us today to talk about your mom and your dad and this book. Um, And like I said, we'll, we'll share on our website here coming up. And also you can, like he said, get it on Amazon and on Barnes and Noble. And Irene, till next time, I'll miss you again. Hi, I want to also. I also want to um, conclude by saying, 
Daniel, I think you've got to get on and, and read some, and listen to some of the interviews. There are people who I think you want to know from who have already been on the podcast and who are coming up. And we, we're certainly going to help a lot of people by sharing this interview with you with so many people. I can't wait to I can't wait to hear them as well. Yeah, Absolutely. Stay in touch, and I'm sure Irene and uh, I can help connect you if you want to reach any to these uh, really good mediums and stuff too to talk. And you I and I have a lot in common, Daniel. You're really taking a terrible thing that happened and making it a blessing for a lot of other people, which is basically what I've been doing. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if one of the people we're interviewing coming up could tell you if this was a plan for your life after all but that's a room for another podcast <laughs> well, i hope our journeys stay aligned because I, I would really really appreciate that support thank you oh it's our pleasure well as you would say then irene to be continued because this is not over continued. <laughs> you're here <laughs> till next time guys thanks for tuning in bye for now this is the grief and rebirth podcast